Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show. I was mesmerized by the flames. I feel like that's some new swag and, and a little echo on uh, on the intro there. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks to the Barroom Network for capturing us live here on YouTube. And if you've missed any of our shows, you can catch them on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your audiovisual needs. Follow us on social media. Follow me at 311Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. And don't forget to follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. What's up, Ross? What's up, man? How you doing? Living the dream. Feeling good, feeling great. I'm also speaking of being mesmerized, man. This uh this basketball behind behind you might uh might trip me up throughout the show here, you know. You don't even know where to look. You know, I don't know which plate to look at in the first place, but this is this is that new swag. No, I, I know where to look. I just I was looking for the remote to turn the damn thing on. My <laughs> my kid loves it. Loves I bet it. he does. Yeah, so he turns it on and drains it drains double A batteries like nobody's business. Oh, naturally. My mother has my mother has like a light now on her patio that does that same similar thing where you can, you know, make it it get dim and go to green, go to purple. And that's, that's great. Yeah, it's good for adults and children. We have a lot to get to on the show today. We are talking bears, of course, to lead off one more dress rehearsal game before we get to the big dance and uh, Matt Aberflus and, and the whole organization is uh, behind the starters playing a half against the Brownies. That's going to be fun, man. This third uh, preseason game. We'll talk about the Bears at length and then more NFL news throughout the league. Aaron Donald swinging helmets out here. And our top five today is the top five wide receivers in the league. And of course, we'll get to some NBA news and everything you could imagine and more. But first, let's go to the Bears, go to the gridiron. And first of all, you know, we're a little delayed since uh, a week ago was that Bears preseason game, second preseason game. We'll get some thoughts from Ross in a minute on that. But probably the biggest relief for a lot of Bears fans, and, uh, you know, Ross and I have, have harped on it repeatedly, we figured this would be over before week one, and sure enough, it was. And, and that would be the Roquan Smith saga where he was holding out or holding in rather, mm -hmm. and it's over. It was kind of like the whole KD fiasco where you, you feel like you have some sort of leverage and I'll, I'll threaten to do this and this and this. It was, it was different than KD publicly asking for a trade, of course, on the, the scale of superstardom. But Roquan didn't have the leverage. He dragged the team and continued to drag the team recently uh, in, in one of his most recent interviews. He said, quote, I thought it was very distasteful talking about the lack of negotiations and how they've halted. I thought it was very distasteful to say the least. 
wasn't what I anticipated nor what I expected from the situation. But I'm grateful for the fans, all the loyal fans and everyone, the players as well, and the locker room and the city of Chicago that stood behind me throughout this process. It means a lot to myself. But now I'm just shifting my focus to the season and more so just focused on being the best teammate I can be to those guys in the locker room, which is what he's said also in that notes uh, thing that got leaked as well, the notes note. And now here we are. He, he's practiced, and you'll likely see a little bit of action maybe in this last preseason game um, coming up this uh, Saturday uh, against the Browns. So, you know, leading with that before we even get to the rest of the preseason notes, this is basically what we figured, Ross, and he'll play his, his rookie deal out and make about $10 million, and then we'll see. He could even get franchised next year. But but is this just a bad look for Roquan overall, or, or can he just go ahead and and put this behind him and play play good Bears football? Um, it's probably a combination of both. I think he got a really um... – a really tough lesson in the last couple of weeks on, you know, what, what not having an agent looks like and, and not having a professional sit at the table for you to be at the other end of a business transaction. Um, and I, I think he took a little bit of a hit, at least in the, in the court of public opinion. I think his worth is probably um, not what he thought it was. And, and he had to learn that the hard way. Um, there weren't teams knocking on the door willing to give up a, a first round pick and a second round pick or even a third round pick and then also give you a hundred million dollars. And I think once he found that out, his only choice was to go back to the Chicago bears. I, I think the bears and him are probably a little bit closer than a lot of us expect. I think if Roquan had an agent, the bears probably would have been able to hammer out and deal with him by now, but you know, here we are. And you know, what's best for both parties, in my opinion, is for him to go out there and ball out for 17 games and say, and, and the Bears say, okay, cool, here's your $100 million, right? Be a model citizen, be a leader in the locker room, be a leader on the defense, go out there and have an all-pro season. And I don't think the team will have any problem giving him $100 million. So, um, you know, he, he has to, to bet on himself, but that's okay. He's not the first athlete we've seen bet on himself. He's not the first athlete that we've seen in Chicago, uh, you know, bet on himself. I think the last, uh, you know, major athlete to do so was Jimmy Butler with the Chicago Bulls, and, and that worked out very well for, for Jimmy. So, you know, hopefully it can work out well for, for Roquan. I think he's going to be a stud in this defense. Um, I'm glad to see him out on the practice field all week. I'm glad to see him uh, going out there playing on Saturday um, because I think his energy and, and just the way he plays and the ferocity he plays is something that this entire football team really needs. Yeah, he's, he's still no doubt, in my eyes, the face of that defense. I know, you know, Eddie Jackson, when he got his big deal, he was certainly um, – way up there as far as that representation, one of the captains. But he's, he's that centerpiece of the defense that the Bears really couldn't do without if they didn't resolve this. And, and sure enough, it was resolved before the start and, and him ending his hold. And, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And when a player tries to represent themselves, it's it's a tough situation. And and that really didn't do anything as far as the dragging the, t the franchise through the mud. And, and the Bears just staunchly held their ground. And this is where... It, where it's at, you're still making good money and you're still playing for that bigger contract, right? I mean, this this season could still be, um, you know, following up from last season, which was a, one of Roquan's best. You could still take a step back. So the, so it's it's tough to see for a guy in his situation. And it's tough for, you know, especially linebackers and running backs who 
bang through the middle of these defenses and, and defend, hit defensive linemen and offensive linemen. Their shelf life is so long. You see the guys like Luke Keekley and, and uh, Patrick Willis, guys like that re- retiring by 30 for a good reason, you know, before they even get these huge contracts like that because their, their health becomes – um, a bigger concern than all of that for sure and please comment along if, if you have thoughts about this i know everybody pretty much as far as the bears fandom is is super psyched that that roquan will be playing obviously and uh, that bears defense certainly needs him um because in injury notes we saw that jaquan brisker he had to undergo surgery for a broken right thumb and the timetable you know looks looks pretty iffy and and i think that Aberflus and, and company were saying that they're they're hopeful that Jaquan Brisker will be back for week one, but he, he I doubt it. I think that um, you know the most likely scenario is not to rush it and hopefully get him there by week three at the earliest, something like that. But you, you know, whoever I'm not a doctor as far as these thumb surgeries go, they could be different. But this this defense, you know, segueing into that, Ross, I know that it's just preseason. We're really just shaking out the depth of this roster right now and then who's going to make the 53 roster. But what would you see, you know, against Seattle that you liked? What didn't you like? And, and more thoughts on Brisker. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, let's start with Brisker first. I think he's going to be okay. I, I think, you know, because he plays that safety position, um, you know, him able to have surgery on that hand sooner than later. There's still like 18 days until – uh, the first game of the season, we still have a long ways away, you know, so to speak. So I think that he's going to be able to play with the cast on there. Have a club, yeah. Yeah, and be okay. He'll be fine. Um, in terms of what I like from the defense, um, you know, listen, I, I, I like the way the, the secondary played. I, I like the way that they were getting after the quarterback. Um, most importantly, I think that the Bears as a whole, especially on defense, were just the more prepared team coming into that game. Um, you know, it, you know, Pete Carroll is a veteran head coach, and, and he has a Super Bowl underneath his belt. And yet, that Eberflus's team on both sides, on all three phases, excuse me, just looked like the more ready, prepared football team. And I think that's a testament early on to this coaching staff and trying in the kind of training camp they've had. Um, Seattle's going to be a bad football team this year. They've got problems at quarterback. Oh, yeah. They've got problems on the offensive line. Um, they're they're going to struggle mightily. But the Bears kept their pressure and the intensity up. The entire time, I think you see a lot of guys fighting for still a roster spot in playoff and playing time on the roster, and they really came through. But most important to me, it was just the fire and the intensity, um, and I think that's been generated mostly from from head coach Matt Everflus. As listen, I, I, we heard Jalen Johnson the other day say he was really skeptical about the about the hits. Uh, mentality that that Everflus was bringing in, but then he said he he bought in at a later point, and you can see it. This whole team was starting to to buy into it, and they were flying all over the football. Um, you know, I, I, at first I was a little disappointed that they took out Justin Fields. I wanted to see him go for one more drive because, um, you know, I thought they were gaining momentum. But that was me under the pretenses of thinking that they weren't going to be playing in Cleveland uh, this Saturday. But now that they are, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic the way everything worked out. The Bears still have some work to do on this offensive line in terms of getting them into, you know, a, a cohesive starting five. But all in all, you know, like I said, I can't reiterate enough. The intensity that they brought to that game on the road uh, in Seattle was really impressive for me short week too right it's it's definitely impressive you you see early on and again preseason obviously doesn't count you, you may be two and oh but but these guys who who are starters they get it and those who are on the fringe they, they really just seem to have bought into Aberflus's system and 
you know, talking about the defense, it's it's nice. You see little bits of a, a taste, if you will, of what's to come. You see Duke Shelley playing all over the field. You see Al-Kadeen Muhammad getting a sack. And and uh, you see some depth as far as at linebacker, you know, God forbid anything happens in that middle uh, area as well. You, you see that. And, and again, on the brisker note, too, now you'll see with these guys who who are next man up type of situation and playing in the nickel who move from from corner to safety and, and wherever they they need to to make the roster then you'll see what the depth is like on this team so you, you definitely like to see them play with some intensity where it's it's a little different from where Matt Nagy was where you saw guys kind of quit I feel like with with Nagy in that instance you know talking about guys who need to adjust we're looking at the offensive line and now Tevin Jenkins it's quite the the flip of a script for him and and he is poised to look looks like he's poised to take that right guard spot over you know when it was it was kind of a question mark if he would even be on the team and early start of training camp at this point but I, I mean he's a mauler we knew that this uh this guy there's a lot of expectations out of him and and you don't want to draw comparisons to the past uh, Bears guards like Kyle Long or anything like that but he, he looks like he has that sort of dog in him where he's he's athletic and and hopefully he can get that experience where if he's needed to move from right guard to left guard or, or all over that he can uh, learn a newer position like that. And and I think he looked pretty good, Ross, didn't you, uh, against Seattle? I thought he looked good, pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, he looked good enough, obviously, to be uh, to be taking over as the starting right guard over better Michael Schofield, who they brought in, who has started a lot of games in this league, right? I think Tevin Jenkins yeah. immediately – um, like you said, brings some nastiness, especially to the run game. I think his his run blocking right now is far ahead of his pass uh, blocking, and I can say that about the same thing for Larry Borum as well. But that's okay, um, it, you know, because I think the Bears are going to want to run the ball a lot this year. I think they're going to want to set up the play action. So, you know, pass blocking a lot of that is you know a lot of these guys for offensive linemen they need to go downhill first and they need to get a groove and get a sweat and get worked up and get their technique right in the running game and then all of a sudden their feet start moving they start getting juiced up and that allows them to be better pass blockers so i expect Evan jenkins as he gets more comfortable at that right guard's position to be a better pass blocker which is all the more important for them to get more reps this uh this saturday against the browns right because you want to be ready to go when you see the 49ers 49ers they don't they don't play around with that front seven it's nasty uh, so you got to be ready to go for, for when Bosa and Fred Warner and those guys come to town. So, um, but I, I'm just proud of Tevin Jenkins. I think to back to the fact that, you know, even like three, four weeks ago, we thought that you know he potentially quit on the team. We thought that he didn't have the um, the the want to play football. We thought that he was one foot out the door. The Bears were going to trade him for like a fifth round pick or sixth round pick, and all of a sudden he's going into the season as your starting right guard. And to me, that's the that's that's the best thing that you can have, right? This guy is still a young football player. He's only uh, you know a few games into his NFL career. He missed a lot of his rookie season uh, with an injury, and all of a sudden, if he's your starter, and the same thing with Larry Borum on the right side, that's a huge win for the Bears, right? Because you know, as, as much as I like the Riley Reef uh, signing and, and the Michael Schofield signing, those guys are not a part of your future, right? And, and this year. You know, the wins and losses, they, they always mean something, but then they really don't. What you care about this year is you need to see a, a big group of young guys on offense and defense emerge as your core group so you know what you need to build going forward next season into the draft and free agency. Yeah, it's good on 
certainly Tevin Jenkins, when he turns around and, and flips the script where exactly like we talked about, he looked just kind of immature to people and looked like he, he again had one foot out the door and he was not going to be a part of this, this starting offensive line when there were some big expectations, um, albeit he had the injury history and all that, but, but he composed himself and, and, you know, embracing when you, when you go ahead and embrace a new position like that, that speaks a lot to him too. And, and he composed himself in press conferences too. And obviously against Seattle and we'll see even more tape on him against the Browns Saturday. So that's going to be encouraging. What's not encouraging to me is still, I'm, and I know a lot of, uh, People are going off in the chat about the wide receiver situation as far as who's going to be there to help out Justin Fields. I know it's early with preseason, but it's it's just a bunch of guys besides Darnell Mooney at this point. And I know someone pointed out that they, they don't have a lot of high expectations of Cole Komet. I think between Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, there's your one-two punch right there for Justin Fields. That's who to, to focus on. But outside of that, with Felix Jones, he might be that third-best weapon these are our expectations. I, I mean, I'm hoping that some of these other guys can break out. And one of those guys might be, um, you know, very much uh, on the fringe and who's been playing quality minutes in these first two preseason games. We'll play quality minutes in this third one. But, you know, with, with the receivers, do you have any thoughts on, on how that's materializing Ross? Are you, you up well, on them or down on them? I, yeah. I, I mean, let's start with Cole Komet, right? Like, you know, Cole Komet last year, you know, only let's count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tight ends have more targets than him last year. And he had over 90 targets last year, right? I fully expect him to have the same amount of targets, if not even more, going into this season. Um, the tight end, the, the, the touchdown thing is is a, a large part on Matt Nagy and his inability to have in, an efficient red zone offense. Terrible red um, zone. Yeah, absolutely. And the bulk of the touchdowns, I think the Bears had six touchdowns last year by, by, a, tight end, by a tight end. Don't quote me on that. But all those guys are gone. The Jesper Horsteads of the world and the Jimmy Grahams of the world. Those are Cole Komet's reps uh, to, to have. And I think that Luke Getzey, you've already seen it in the Seattle game, just gets a lot more creative at getting Cole Komet wide open looks. And so listen, whether it's on the field, fantasy football, whatever, Cole Komet is going to be a top 10 tight end this year. He's going to catch over 60 receptions. He's going to have in the neighborhood of 600 to 700 uh, receiving yards. He's going to still have over, you know, in the area of 90 targets. And he's, I fully expected him to have anywhere between four to five touchdowns a year. And if he does that, that is a top 10 uh, tight end. And, and listen, those are, to me are still very pedestrian numbers. Um, in terms of Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney is – he's not a true number one receiver in the league for me, um, but I think he's a solid receiver. Um, I think he's Justin Fields, obviously, number one. I expect him to have over 1,000 yards uh, receiving this year and have hopefully close to, to 10 touchdowns, right? Um, and then outside of that, you know, it, it becomes um, – you know, how many times can you put the ball in, 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 in Bellas Jones' hands, right? He's going to line up all over the field. Um, I think uh, Brian P Byron Pringle is going to be back in time for week one. I know our own uh, Greg Gabriel on the uh, on the Barroom Network agrees with that. Um, you know, if, if he wouldn't be, I think the Bears would have made a move already to bring in another wide receiver. Um, and, you know, in Q Harry, he might miss the first couple of weeks of the season, but he might be back. I know he had that quick surgery to get him back in the football field. And then you've got a veteran um, like Tajay Sharp, who you know made an outstanding catch in the first preseason game. Right. But listen, your, your three receivers on the field, at least week one, are going to be Equinomia, say Brown, 
Darnell Mooney, and some combination of Pringle and Jones. I think Jones is going to be your gadget guy for most of his rookie season. And then Cole Komet is going to get a ton of snaps. He's going to be out in the field all the time. Remember, uh, um, Tungan, the, the tight end for, for Green Bay, under the same offense that Luke Getze ran, had over touch, t- 10 touchdowns just a couple of years ago, right? You can't tell me that Cole Komet can't come in and get at least half of those. And, and Komet is a much better um, tight end than Robert Tungan. So I fully expect Komet to have a, a, a very solid season as a tight end. And um, if you're playing fantasy football or anything like that, you should, um, and, and you don't get one of the big guys, the Travis Kelsey's or Kyle Pitts of the world. Take a look at Cole Komet around round nine, round 10, because I think he's going to have a, a much better season uh, than a lot of people expect. Be a sleeper for sure. I think, you know, the big point, too, is we haven't seen a lot of Pringle yet. We just haven't seen a full tape uh, of these guys who are projected to be starters um, going and, and playing, you know, a full game of football out there at this point. And so obviously against the Browns you want to see a little bit more of Justin Fields and that chemistry with Komet with Darnell Mooney and with these other guys who are uh, new acquisitions and then you see how the offensive line will develop as well that's the biggest are, part yeah are you, are you looking forward to uh, seeing about a, you know one half of starters play uh, against the Browns as long as he's not getting his ass kicked out there, I, yeah, that's <laughs> the only thing, man. I, I just he's it's it's a big, obviously a big year for him, uh, and we saw him. He got his 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 uh, dick kicked in a, a lot last year because of a poor offensive line and scrambling. Yep. But but he learned, you know, he took his lumps for sure. But and you know the rib thing is is a concern as well. But he's. Uh, He's got to be, be protected and get more comfortable in the pocket for sure. And listen, like like Stacy King would say, right? If you're scared, go buy a dog, right? At some point, he's going to have to get hit eventually, right? And right. I think the biggest thing for Justin Fields is he needs to be able to be comfortable around those five guys in front of him. Also, those five guys need to know his tendencies and where he's at all at all times in the pocket. And then Justin Fields, most importantly, he needs to start getting some pocket presence and pocket awareness. He needs to know when he can feel the rush either on his left side or his right side. He needs to know when he can step up in the pocket and make those little subtle moves a la Tom Brady to the left or to the right to buy himself another second to get the football out of his hands. I think those are things that Justin Fields still has to work on right now in preseason. Those are still some things I saw in that Seattle game. He's got a tendency sometimes to bail out of the pocket a little bit early. He's also, just by his nature, a, a big fish hunter. He loves pushing the football down the field. He's going to try and, and see how much he can do that. So those are just some little subtle things that he needs to learn. And, and why not learn it now while these games don't count? So hopefully he can clean up a lot of those mechanics and, and, and things like that going into week one. Yeah, no question. And I know the uh, it's the, the portion of the show where we talk about Colin Coward shitting on the Bears again here. Uh, about uh, a, a former Bear OC talking about it's going to be a rough career for Justin Fields. I, I, and I, I just, I don't get that when you could say the same thing. And it was the same thing he said where, and the last time we talked about Colin Coward's takes where the Bears are, are stuck in the past and, and, and are really trying to pay linebackers and, and stuck with this whole defensive mind thing. It's a completely different organization at this point. It's a completely different management. I should say with Ryan Poles and company, completely different coaching strategy. Now it's completely different. OC. I, I don't understand it. I think if anything, you got to take the positive road here. And and for all these reasons that we've talked about um, with a, a 
with Justin Fields being poised to have a good second year. But we will see a lot of Justin Fields, hopefully not too much, not, you know, not getting back repeatedly, not getting hit a lot in this Browns game uh, come Saturday. Any other Bears notes uh, that you're hot on right now? No, I'm just, you know, I, I'm excited for not only for the Bears, but just for the entire National Football League to just get sure. past this little, this subtle stage that we have of, of we're so close to meaningful action, but we still have to kind of sift through this this bullshit we see like the cow and counter stuff. Listen, I, I, I try and tell Bears fans this on Twitter all the time. It's the third largest market in the NFL, right? Um, but it's also of, of the three largest markets, we only have one football team, whereas LA has two, New York has two, right? So yeah. these guys are feeding the algorithm right now. They, they know that if you push the buttons of the Bears fans, Bears fans are going to respond. That gets them more clicks. That gets them more impressions. That gets them more interactions. You're, you're literally feeding into what they want right now. Negativity breeds um, you know, higher viewing and, and higher stuff like that. So, you know, Cowherd, guys like Cowherd and guys on first take and stuff like that, they know um, how to poke the bear, no pun intended, because they know a huge fan base like Chicago is going to get riled up and that's going to get them more ratings. The more that you can um, just casually dismiss that stuff and move on from it, it'll go away. And then also, most importantly, we're close to week one where we can just figure it the hell out, right? Like we can finally once and for all, say, all right, we can now look at the wins and losses and how this thing progresses. That's the thing that I'm most excited about because all this back and forth banter and bullshit, I, I can't stand it. it. It just gets really mundane to me. I promise you, over the last five years, Colin Cowherd has probably watched five Bears games in, in that time frame. So right. he's, a, he's a Patriots fan oh, by heart. Television. Yeah, he's watching Red Zone probably all the time on yeah. a Sunday. There's no way that he knows it. And Mike Martz, I mean, come on now. Mike Martz, who who traded Greg Olson away so they can sign Brendan Malamaliola, whatever, so he can be a blocker in that bullshit, you know, throwing Jay Cutler seven, eight steps back and having him get his ass kicked um, out there. I don't want to hear anything from what Mike Morris has to say because his uh, his tenure in Chicago was just an abject failure. It was terrible, and we yeah, it was very forgettable. For good reason. Guess how much, how little you can spend to go to a to, to this Bears Browns game, Ross? How little? Yeah, four dollars. Exactly, four dollars <laughs> with a service fee. Ooh. So a little more like seven. Seven, yeah. <laughs> seven bucks to get in the door. Get it while it's hot in Cleveland. I got to tell you, I, you know, I know the NFL says they do the preseason games for money, but are they really making money at these games? There's a game on right now. There's nobody there. At some point, I I really think that it'd be smart to just start doing joint practices going forward. As long as Aaron Donald's not slapping somebody over the head with a helmet um, and just really do away with the entire preseason altogether. It, uh, I, I mean, I can't imagine. It's just people's thirst for football, right? And then they lost that fourth preseason game. And there's something to be said about seeing football for you know the Midwest and East Coast, seeing well, while the weather's nice out still. But but again, four dollars, like come on. And these tickets come week one are going to jump up to at least like eighty bucks a pop for nosebleed, something like that. Yeah, I, listen, I'm I'm going to uh, Packers Bears in Green Bay week two. Uh, but I haven't got my tickets yet. And I just looked on SeatGeek today, and it's like 
it's a it's a Sunday night game, obviously. I mean, the, the oh, low, the, yeah. all right, the cheapest ticket right now is like two seventy five to sit at the top. It's just insane. The Aaron Rodgers show, gotta see him. He might trip during the game. <laughs> Pay for that. You gonna slip him some ayahuasca again? Uh, what'd you make of Aaron Donald swinging uh, the Bengals players' helmets uh, around in, in practice there? That was a wild clip, man. And these joint pra- practices are always spicy. There's always one fight that, that breaks out. Uh, and I did not see what it, what started that. Did you, Ross, as far as what player got into it with Donald and why you would pick a fight with Aaron Donald? No, I didn't see it. But, I mean, a couple of things with that. Maybe, number one, you don't um, put the two Super Bowl teams against each other in a joint yeah. practice. Oh, There's yeah. probably bad. still a lot of bad blood left over yes, from, from that game. That's probably number one. Um, number two, Aaron, Aaron Donald is fucking batshit crazy. Anybody that goes out there and trains with a guy who has knives all over the place and he's throwing knives at you and stuff like that, he, he is not to be messed with. So we, we've seen Aaron Donald before rip the helmets off of guys. He just – listen, the guy plays nasty. The guy plays with an intensity that's that's really unmatched throughout the NFL. And uh, it's no surprise to me that, you know, if it's 85 degrees outside and he's going against a team that he just beat for the Super Bowl and they're pissed off and they're trying to make a – a point and a name for themselves saying that they'll be back there and uh, things probably got a little bit of heated. So, you know, it happens. Luckily for Aaron Donald, joint practices are not um, mandated by the league. They don't police that thing. So, or else he would be looking at a severe suspension, in my opinion, very close to what Miles Garrett got. Right. But because the Rams are the ones that are going to police him, I promise you Aaron Donald's going to probably get a bet day tomorrow. And uh, he might get fined about $50,000 and they'll keep it pushing. That's assault, brother. What are you doing over there? So ESPN was saying that a Rams defender who was unable to be identified from a distance was engaged with Bengals right tackle Lyle Collins. Then the defender had Collins wrapped up from behind, arms around his chest. Seconds after Cincinnati running back Joe Mixon was a few yards downfield. Collins took exception and swung punches once he was free. Well, Collins not a small man either. That's a no, big that's, man. that's a big boy right there. There's a yeah. lot of big guys in, in that whole uh, mosh pit that that we just saw uh, on the screen here. But but the Cincinnati Enquirer photographer getting Aaron Donald swinging those helmets around like he's defending the wall. That was that was wild, man. <laughs> that was wild. Don't mess with him. Again, reason number nine hundred nine. We just need week one to hurry the hell up and get here. Yeah, these oh. guys are over it. We're all over it. It's like, all right, let's just get week one. Let's get that Thursday night game rolling. Let's let's get it on. Yes, sir. I agree with that. Is there a reason why Tom Brady should even play in a preseason game? I'm hearing now that he's playing in the Bucks preseason finale. Why? No, no. But I guess why? he he took ten days off, so he probably feels like he's got to shake off a little bit of rust. Um, after sitting on the beach with Giselle and his, his beautiful children for, for a week. So, um, you know, listen, Tom Brady's 45 years old. He can do whatever the hell he wants at this point, right? If he wants to play in a preseason game, let him go out there and play. So he's another guy who, who's got to get some reps in behind a really, really sketchy offensive line right now because they've been hit really hard with some injuries on that offensive line. So he's going to kind of learn those new guys up front too. So I, I, I kind of don't blame him either. The center position is, is a big question mark right now with yeah. dealing with injuries there. And that's that's going to be huge because we know Tom Brady is very specific about how his uh, center handles his balls. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> dad, dad jokes. Ah, well, you know, 
The top five today, Ross, top five wide receivers. And this is a tough one, man. We have a lot of talent out there. And I always, you know, I start with some honorable honorable mentions uh, as far as this goes. And, you know, we could do we could do tight ends. But you talk about production and, you know, Mark Andrews was almost top five in the league as far as receiving yards and 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 targets i mean it was it was pretty incredible what he did last season albeit in a down season for uh, lamar jackson and uh man he is he's way up there but as far as receivers go you know we saw tyreek hill and he's just doing his thing we'll see how how he rebounds from being you know seventh in the league and receiving into a new system with, with Tua and in Miami and after getting paid big time, you know, Tyler Lockett's always in that conversation, but now it's like we talked about him and, and DK Metcalf are just in such a shitty situation with whoever's going to be, you know, Geno Smith throwing them the football at this point. Um, you know, talk about DJ Moore guys like Mike Williams. We'll see, you know, you could easily see, right. Like a Keenan Allen or Mike Williams jump into maybe this top five with a guy like Justin Herbert um, throwing to him, of course. And then, you always talk about the guys who Tom Brady's been throwing to, and Mike Evans had, had a, a great year as far as uh, touchdown catches go. But um, you know, and as yardage goes too. I mean, in his whatever this is seventh, eighth year, something like that, mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. But but on to the top five. My number five, Ross, mm-hmm. is Stefan Diggs. Oh. And uh, man, I. I I like what he does, and I was just reading a great article about him and his brother Trayvon, and and that's it's always cool to see these football families, and and they both went to Maryland and and super competitive, just lived, um, you know, obviously competing with each other. Uh, Trayvon just a few years, ago, but but he's just been the model of consistency. You know, obviously had a great years in, in Minnesota, and then getting the tra- getting traded to a. Uh, Super Bowl favorite now in the Bills. He's got that edge. He's got these acrobatic catches that he makes. He's got Josh Allen throwing to him, a great route runner. He had a great season last year when um, he was, you know, like eighth in the league in receiving yards. He had 10 touchdowns, but really it seems to be peaking at the right time. And, and he's just one of those guys who's, who's fun to watch, got great celebrations. Uh, he's my number five. Uh, he is also my number five. Uh, but look at that. Look at that. Listen, last two seasons in Buffalo, over 2,700 yards receiving uh, and 18 touchdowns. And mind you, that is in Buffalo. It is cold as fuck in Buffalo. It snows in Buffalo. It's like negative 25 out there. And he's still putting up just insane numbers uh, through the air out there. It's a testament to his skill set. He's awesome. He comes from Minnesota um, to to, to Buffalo. He's the perfect complement for Josh Allen because he's got the deep game he's got sure. that that intermediate game and, and can, can run after the catch but um you know when, when stefan diggs was in minnesota i thought he was a good football player um but obviously you know, as we saw now see he was kind of handcuffed a little bit by by kirk cousins because he has just exploded even more uh since linking up with josh allen in buffalo and, and even though brian dabble is now in uh with the giants I don't anticipate that, that tandem slowing down one bit this year. I think Ken Dorsey is going to step in as a new offensive coordinator for the Bills, and those guys will continue to uh, to, to, to light it up. And uh, Stephon Diggs got new paper this year, and he that is well-deserved. He, he's my number yeah. five as well. Some of the best cleats in the game. Yes. Don't sleep on those cleats either, yes. my friend. Yes. Number four. 
Number four. Man, these these LSU boys are different. Jamar Chase, and I know it's just one rookie season, and and him and Joey B are our best buddies, man, and linking up in the pros after college. That's so cool to see. It was a breakout year. He had a little over 1,400 yards. Third in the league in touchdown catches on only 81 receptions is, is just bananas. 18 yards a catch. That was good for second in the league. Again, just these LSU wide receivers are are built different, and they are you know the best in the league uh, in my eyes. Um, and spoiler alert: in this list, there's not a guy over six three, but these guys all play as it's, as the total packages, right? Where they run crisp routes and chase just to to go. I feel like there's an adjustment for a lot of guys, but you see with Jamar Chase, there was not a a ton of time needed to adjust to the speed of the NFL game and Joe Burrow, I think it speaks to that relationship that they had too. And maybe if he was on a different team, he had some different quarterback thrown to him, he would be off this list or he wouldn't have that same production. But, you know, after being fourth in the league and and receiving yards and and putting all those numbers up that I mentioned earlier, you know, putting um, um, up just really great rookie numbers, uh, on par to be offensive rookie of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. It's the expectations are really in the second season. I'm wondering if he takes a step back. Uh, but the Bengals, you know, it's like we talked about, they are a year removed from the Super Bowl and they're certainly one of those powers of the AFC. But he's number four for me and he, he could be even higher on your list, Ross. He is higher on my list. Uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, Jamar Chase is number three for me just because I'm, I'm betting on what he's going to do going forward. Listen, I think he's one of the most electric, dynamic athletes in the NFL. Um, I, you know, just think about the same time last year, you know, exhibit 909 again, why preseason is bullshit. The same time last year, we were saying that Jamar Chase had an issue with the dropsies and he wasn't learning the offense in, in, in Cincinnati and, and, oh, they got Tyler Boyd and yada, yada, yada. This guy went out there and had one of the most dynamic rookie seasons we've seen in a long time, and I think he's only going to build from that. I think he was absolutely awesome um, at the it, it, when in the crunch time down the stretch for them. I think he was awesome in the playoffs. Him and Joe Burrow are, are, are amazing together. Obviously, that was the guy that Burrow fought for, his former college teammate, to get him uh, in Cincinnati. So I think the arrow is pointing um, directly up for Jamar Chase. I just like him because he's got great weapons around him, um, sure. like Boyd, even like uh, Joe Mixon, stuff like that. And he's still put up amazing numbers, um, which is why I have him in front of my number four, who is Justin Jefferson, another LSU guy. Um, the guy that was essentially traded for Stefan Diggs, our number five, right? And right. listen, Jefferson had better stats last year than Jamar Chase, but when you kind of look at things, right, Thielen was out for a big chunk of the year with injuries. Um, you know, Jefferson's targets were 167 last year, which is even high up from his 125, his rookie season. So, you know, people will tell you, well, he had 108 catches. Like, no shit. He had 167 targets. He was just force fed the football a ton. And he still had an amazing season. He had 10 touchdowns as well and over 1,600 yards. But I got Chase in front of him strictly because I think Chase did less, did more, or uh, you know, close to the same with less targets than Jefferson did. But I'm still a huge Jefferson fan. I think he's dynamic. I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, what he does in this new offense this year um, with with new head coach McCartney, and um, and then also um, 
at what point does he start to kind of maybe sour a little bit on Kirk Cousins? And, and, and Minnesota's going to have to make a decision there on whether they're going to keep uh, Jefferson and pay him close to $30 million a year, which probably means they're going to have to also move on from Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins getting up there, too, for sure. That's that's tough. It's uh, similar to you know, the days of Randy Moss, though. We'll, we'll get to that. Number three for me is Cooper Cup. And... I mean, just look at last year where he had the triple crown. He had over 1,900 yards, almost 2,000 yards, 145 receptions. He had 16 touchdowns, all good for best in the league. Uh, helped that he had a new quarterback in Matt Stafford, clearly, because what a bounce back from the previous year where he basically doubled his production. I mean, albeit it was a little bit of injury in the COVID list at that time. But, you know, think of all that potential. And then to be this productive, we certainly thought that he had this potential, but – Man, just dropping an almost 2,000 season like that. Again, with weapons around him, with Odell Beckham Jr. around him and uh, the rest of these these great, uh, talented, skill position players around Matt Stafford and the rest of this Rams offense. I mean, he earned he earned every bit of that fat, you know, three-year, $80 million uh, deal with that and got the Super Bowl ring out of it. it it's just the type of thing where he is – was underrated with that production too. And you talk about the targets and, and everything that goes into it. He was targeted 191 times where they were force feeding him the football. Uh, it was just nuts. And I mean, Matt, Matt Stafford had a plethora of wide receivers and, and good position players, uh, talented players to throw to, um, to, to pad his stats at that point and be a security blanket. But Cooper cup never shied away. You, you look at the, throughout the regular season, and into the playoffs, and obviously in the Super Bowl, playing in that largest stage, too. Uh, it was nothing short of amazing. It was one of those years, too, where you you certainly rooted for him to also get that 2,000-yard mark, but damn, he was he was just short. But he had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, he's, uh, he's way up there right now. I mean, again, he could be – I'm sure he's higher on your list at this point, Ross. He's my number two wide receiver. And, again, the same time last year, we were talking about – uh, it was probably going to be Matthew Stafford to uh, to Robert Woods. We thought that was going to be the number one combo, yes. right? And, and Cooper Cup just emerged as this amazing, amazing weapon. And what I love best about Cooper Cup is he lines up all over the football field. He lines up at the Y, he lines up at the X, he lines up in the slot. He doesn't care. And he is a matchup nightmare for, uh, for, for defensive backs. Great in the short game, great in the intermediate game, but he can also stretch the football field. I think the Bears saw that firsthand, uh, you know, last year and how great he was. Like you said, uh, took away the triple crown last year. But to me, what was more impressive was when the Rams needed a touchdown to win the football game, it was a steady diet of Cooper Cup for that final touchdown for them, uh, all the way up, including that, um, that, that, defensive penalty that they got which set up the touchdown for them that was eventually the the game winning touchdown i know he's got Allen robinson there now um but in my opinion that's only going to help cooper cup that's going to take a little bit yeah. that's going to give him a little bit more one-on-one coverage right and i fully expect Allen robinson to have a really good year but he ain't going to have a cooper cup year and he and cooper cup is still going to be an elite wide receiver i'm a huge fan of his um he's only uh 29 years old i believe so he should still be able to play at a high level for a couple more years. The guy is just also um, a, a physical freak of nature, too. So he, he's my number oh, yeah. two. Yeah, you got it right on the money, Ross. 29 years old. 
Cliff, uh, to his yeah. point, yeah, is is it a plus or minus for for Cup as far as Allen Robinson going over there? We, we know that, that I think that it will be certainly not the same. You know, he's not going close to two thousand yards. If he does, I mean, put him in the hall. It's unbelievable, but he's not going to come close to that sort of production when when you have uh, those guys. And if you know the old Beckham situation is still fluid, you know, if he was to come back, but that would be a hell of a lineup there. Uh, Allen Robinson and him were are poised to both have. You know, over a thousand yard seasons and LA looking to run it back at this point. Obviously, it'll be something. Number two for me is in a New Jersey this year, and he goes from being Aaron Rodgers' security blanket to linking up with Derek Carr, and that's Devontae Adams to me. And and I I really just see like again these these all these receivers are you know six one six two. They all have great speed, but these this a guy like Adams plays bigger. He he makes these great catches in the end zone great sideline catches and certainly had the benefit of obviously playing with Aaron Rodgers, but consistent, man, like certainly good with the deep ball. He would go over the middle. He was a year removed from catching 18 touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. He had he was second in the league in receptions this past year with 123. I, th- I think he had his best production. And now we'll see if that uh, stays steady. And, and I really do think it will because Derek Carr is, is hitting that prime. And Devonte Adams is right there too. Again, this was that year where we see a lot of these wide receivers getting paid so much money, um, and and I have no doubt he'll excel in Vegas. The only thing that makes me second guess this position is is him having played eight years in the league already. At what point do you start to, to have a bit of a downturn, right? But he he doesn't seem like he's slowing down, and I think uh, you know he's he's aging like wine as far as this goes. And a breath of fresh air, um, I, I think. Again, we've talked about it in the previous podcast too. We're seeing Aaron Rodgers kind of on that downturn, and, and his stock going down. Where we're seeing the Raiders, it's definitely going up. And and Derek Carr and, and him should be real fun to watch this year. Completely agree. That's why he's my number one. <laughs> okay, Devontae Adams is my number one. Listen, he's uh he's still only 29 years old, so he's the same age as Cooper Cup, uh, which yeah. is just crazy to think about. But since 2017, one guy has led the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns, and that's Devontae Adams. He leads in all three categories since 2017. 432 receptions, 5,300 receiving yards, and 47 touchdowns. And yes, I know he's moving on from a first ballot Hall of Fame player, but he's going into a much better uh, situation, I think, for him going forward. And I think he knew that, which is why he got out of Green Bay. I think if he wants to extend his career, he had to get out of the cold in Green Bay, away from a nut job like Aaron Rodgers, who we don't know what the hell he's he's doing from time to time, and he's he's probably smoking mushrooms right now and some shit and he moves to las vegas um you know which is closer to where he's from he links up with his college quarterback who's one of his best friends and then also i I don't think it's been said enough listen say what you want about josh mcdaniels but he gets his best offensive players the football right we've seen that from time to time during his time in in new england even when he was head coach uh, uh, of the Broncos, right? Even Brandon Marshall still had a great year with with, uh, with Josh McDaniels in that offense. Um, and then I think Hunter Renfro is the perfect complement to Devontae Adams. He's, he's are the best possession receiver in the NFL right now. Darren Waller is an mm-hmm. awesome tight end. I think that offense is going to be really fun. I think they're in a division where the points are going to be absolutely just flying on the board, right? I, I think you're going to see a lot of 
35 to 38 scoring games in AFC West. And I think Devontae Adams is going to be a huge part of that. You get him indoors on that turf. Oh, my goodness. And then he also gets to play in the, you know, a, with the Chargers Stadium and stuff like that. I, I think Devontae Adams is going to be a huge year. I'm just a big fan of his. I was watching a video of him earlier. He was on the, uh, on the I Am Athlete podcast, and they were asking him you know, what he does. He says, listen, I line up from these DBs, and I, I, I set them up in my mind before the play even snaps, and I know what they're going to do. I, I know what they're, they're going to do to me, and I know what I'm going to do to them. But I, I'm a huge fan of his. I'm so happy he's not in Green Bay anymore because I can finally root for that guy. <laughs> Without having the animosity of him wearing a, a Packers uniform. Making Bears uh, defenses look silly for years. Finally, there's a little bit of relief, uh, and, and hopefully you're not seeing Alan Lazard step into those shoes for sure. Did we get your number two? I spaced out. Uh, my number two was Cooper Cup. It was Cooper Cup. No, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, uh, went, I went Diggs. I went, what did I do? I went Diggs, Jefferson, Chase, Cup, Adams. Look at that. We have... The same list, just in different order. Number one for me is the, the man who made the gritty so popular, Double J, Justin Jefferson. I, he's he's just electric, man. The total package. Um, again, only two years, like him and Jamar Chase, so young, but they're going to be taking over this league for the foreseeable future. Uh, when he's already following in, in Randy Boss's footsteps and he looks like he's going to He's, again, only two years in, but he's going to be on pace to try and break a bunch of these records. His stock is so high right now, and, and only two seasons under his belt, but at 1,600 yards last year, 10 touchdowns, he is he is it, man. The only question, again, is, is just Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball and if that will be sustainable at this point. But, man, he was he was something to watch last year and, and uh, the year before. He's just a breakout star and um, – Definitely, definitely worthy of um, all these guys are, you know, poised to be in obviously the top five of receiving yards and all these these um, these milestones. You know, it's surprising to me is I feel like we but we can't put him there as Debo Samuel was not on this list just because he's such a, a flex, like a, a gimmick, not a gimmick player, but he's him and Cordell Patterson. They'd like to they they don't define the position, right? Or they, they, they break outside of the box. So I was literally just about to say, you know, we, we did our top five, but don't sleep on Debo Samuel this year to maybe sneak into that list. But like you just sure. hit it on the head. He's such a Swiss Army knife. You don't know where he's going to line up at and where those yards come from. But listen, the guy is still a wide receiver. He still had well over 1,000 yards um, from the receiving position last year. But I am a huge Debo Samuel fan. So I think if we're just talking – top five weapons in the NFL, Debo Samuel is certainly in my top five list. Yeah. But I was going to say, don't sleep on Debo Samuel this year because they paid him. and They paid him. They're going to they're gonna use him for sure this year. He's going to have a big year. He had 1,400 yards receiving and yeah. then still rushing. Was, you know, he had a few touchdowns. It was it was nuts the way that uh, – how versatile he is. And it's mm-hmm. great to see players do that. You, you want to see that more. Mm-hmm. 100%. Very nice. We're wrapping up the show in these these final ten minutes here, and it just we talked about. I, I mentioned KD earlier, and what a what a, a fiasco that was. Him requesting this trade and, and saying he's unhappy in Brooklyn, and and saying, "Oh, I'll, I'm going to threaten to retire," and then lo and behold, oh, I'm going to play for Brooklyn. No, no big deal. <laughs> and now I just think, you know, it's not it's not the right place for him. I would have, I don't know, at this point. It's just, KD is a, such a perplexing guy. It's uh, that whole 
obviously dynamic of him and Kyrie with these personalities that just don't seem to, I don't know, mesh or, or their minds are just elsewhere and not on focused on the court. I mean, they're both some of the best players in the league, but it's just, it's just odd to think that he will totally be invested in trying to bring a championship to Brooklyn this year. But Katie does what Katie does. It is. And I mean, at the moment, breaking, only- breaking Chet Holgram's foot out here, you know? Oh my God. No, that was uh, LeBron. LeBron did that. Oh, it was LeBron. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. LeBron did that. Um, yeah, he doesn't have a choice because he was the one that picked right. he picked Kyrie Irving and he picked Brooklyn and he picked Steve Nash and he picked this entire situation. And after the Rudy Gobert trade went down, the whole trade market just got tanked. And so you don't even know what KD's value is. Never mind the fact that he's been in the league like 16 years now. He's got three uh very significant injuries, very similar to the Roquan Smith situation. His only option was to go back to Brooklyn. Right. So we'll see how this plays out. I, I'm not convinced that either him or Kyrie stay there um, maybe through this season or, or even next year. But for now, as we listen, we're about to enter training camp for the NBA in like three or four weeks. There is no there's no other option for KD. He had to go back to Brooklyn, at least for now, until they figure out something else. He did. And again, they could be tops of the Eastern Conference just just based on those two guys alone at this point. But uh, it, it was it was something else, and and that's that's the thing with these offseason storylines too. And of course, uh, uh, another big one for uh, the NBA right now is is everything going you know into Pat Beverly and the whole Lakers show. Of course, you know every year that LeBron is in the league, he's going to be dominating headlines and and the cast around him. Now look at this: you got Pat Bev in this uh, this three and D guard Patrick Beverly. It's uh it's, it's something else, man. And then the expectations for Russell Westbrook are, are pretty high right now. And a lot of slander on him. I don't, I don't know if I'm hot on Russ anymore. I just read a report from one of the Lakers beat writers uh, for the athletic that with the Pat Beverly signing, they're probably going to try and really trade Russell Westbrook or just sure. do, the, do the John Wall thing and send him home and, and pay him uh, to sit on the sofa. And I think that's mostly because you can't have those two guys in practice every day. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be like yeah, you talk about L.A. It's going to be like Bloods versus Crips. I mean, those guys are two <laughs> high-strung personalities. There's no way that they will last 82 seasons in the same locker room with each other without smacking the shit out of each other. So one of them has got to go, and I think that's going to be Westbrook. Ooh, man, quite, quite the uh, end for the Lakers era of uh, Russell Westbrook right there. Enough of the sports, Ross. Are you watching House of Dragon? Are you into it already? I have. I, I haven't knew, watched it yet. I have watched the first ten minutes. I turned it off. I wasn't in the mood for it yet. Um, I was watching it like in the middle of the day. I feel like you said you stopped it. Yeah, I stopped it. I, just, oh, I wasn't in the mood for you. You know what it was? It, I, like, like we've talked about this before. The first ten minutes of the episode was so CGI. It was so CGI, uh-huh. and I was just yeah. like, oh, I'm so. I, I have fake, like background fatigue. I've got fake. All the Marvel stuff has ruined me. But I will watch it. I will catch up. I will watch the first episode before episode two comes out on, on Sunday. I promise. There you go. We will as well. Or I will as well. I'm, I'm all in on that. You know, I was just uh, talking with friends about how this, all this fantasy is, all these streamers are really banking big on fantasy. Of course, Amazon paying big bucks to get the Lord of the Rings series oh. coming up very soon. And now we got an interview with the Vampire Show coming out. Which I'm all in on that. Love it. I, so I, I read I'm that into book it. As a they kid. got the, the the leader of the Unsullied playing one of the vampires. Yeah, the vampire. yeah. nothing's gonna top the movie though. That cast was ridiculous. Brad Pitt and uh, Tom Cruise. 
That's the Sweet. first time um, um, Kirsten Dunst ever acted in a movie. Yeah, that is unbelievable, man. Uh, Music World, Jid coming out with an album, and then Kenny Beats is is, is going to have an album. Kenny Beats behind a, a lot of uh, my favorite music right now. He worked with Vince Staples on uh, FM, which was a great album, and then he's he's had a bunch. But but to see what he'll put out with his first. Uh, studio album should be interesting and then jit i love like what are the best rappers under 30 right now um you know probably number two to j cole on dreamville he is mm-hmm. he is a stud uh, i'm looking forward to that dropping tomorrow absolutely, absolutely. good yeah. good good labor day vibes music good good barbecue music coming up oh yes terrell owens ran a 4-4 four, four at 48 years old my god He's a phenomenal athlete. Just for him to be able to do that is impressive. I don't listen. I'd be lucky if I could run a five-two right now at, at almost forty-one years old in a couple weeks. I would, uh, an Achilles would snap her. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, that's that's no bueno. Uh, what else, Ross? I think we got everything. We got everything. So you know, how do you feel about the Cubs uh, uh, giving a send-off to their arch nemesis uh, Albert Pujols in? in Yadier Molina. <laughs> that's that's funny. Uh, I I feel fine about it. They've really, I mean, Cubs had a lot. Of, Cubs fans have, have dealt a lot with uh, Yadi and, and Albert Pools over these years. A lot of a lot of sadness has been um, because of, of of their acts on the field. I mean, both Hall of Fame, you know caliber players certainly pool holes yada or molina is, is great as well uh yeah you hate the cardinals if you're a cubs fan but you, you can't honor them that's that, that's fucked up <laughs> <laughs> that's what i would have to say about that sure. well thanks to everybody for listening in here on on the barroom network all the great shows that are here all all of our shows are uh previously on youtube on spotify and itunes wherever you get your media check us out and mash that like button I'm at the real Evan Mac on Twitter. Ross is at Ross Reed. We got more great programming coming up later tonight. We got the bear debate at 8 30 PM bear necessities at 10 all central time, of course. And you see the bears uh, improving to three and O and in the preseason come Saturday, Ross. I think so. And uh, the Browns. I think Kevin Fishbane tweeted this out earlier. If they do go undefeated in the preseason, uh, the last time they did that, they made the playoffs. So Cross, Browns. You, you get a participation medal for winning the, the preseason going going three and oh. That's right. There should be some incentive, I feel like. There should be, absolutely. Listen, you take wins any any way you can get them when you were really bad a year ago. Yes, sir. And thank you to the Barflies for chiming in throughout the show. For now, we say deuces, everybody. So long. Have a night. Thank you.